Good, good morning, West Bowles. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. Hey, can we give them one more hand? That was wonderful. Thank you. All right. Well, as, as, as Nathan said, I'm David Prez. I'm the junior high director here at the church, um, and I am so very excited to share with you all uh, what the Lord's put on my heart over the last uh, few months, really. Um, and I know you're all are used to Thomas. Um, he likes to preach for about an hour, hour and a half. Um, but I'm going to keep it down to about 30 minutes, okay? So I'll have us, I'll have us out of here on time. I'm just kidding, Thomas. Um, well, before I hop into it, why don't we uh, pray and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this morning. Um, we're so grateful for your sacrifice on the cross for us, Lord Jesus, and your presence in us. Now I'm Holy Spirit. We just pray this morning that you speak through me, um, that you open hearts, um, and that you do what only you can do. We worship you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey man, well, I would be lying to you all if I, uh, if I didn't say that I'm absolutely mortified to share with you my, my uh, opening example. Um, and, and here's why. There's a picture of it that's going to come on up. Um, the reason I'm terrified is because of this wooden spoon. Now, you've got to understand something about this. Half the time growing up, when I saw this wooden spoon, it meant that mom was making some phenomenal food. I mean, like a nice big pot of beans or... Spanish rice, enchiladas, oh, so good, I'm getting hungry. Um, but the other 50% of the time, this is the tool she used to strike the fear of God into me, okay? And, uh, and contrary to what, what she might tell you, it was pretty frequent, okay? Um, she knocked a lot of sense into me with this thing, okay? Uh, so I'm a little bit scared because she's here this morning. And I know she's not going to be happy with what she's going to see um, up on the projector. So if you guys want to go to the next slide, that is my office. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Mom. Um, now raise your hand if you'd say that's a mess. <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you think that needs to be cleaned out by like Monday or Tuesday of next week. All right, you're not alone. Um, Thomas, I saw your hand. I'll clean it out by Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, now, I think it's very fitting that we're looking at my messy office on Youth Sunday uh, because who else is messy? The youth, right? Okay, I know you all are messy. In fact, if I were to ask your parents, I'm sure they could tell me the mess that's in your rooms. Am I right? Yeah, they're, they're fairly messy. Um, and I know you all know the mess they can make, but rather than me describe or explain the mess, uh, we've got a short little video that shares with you some of the messes that our youth have made. Well, my whole life is basically a mess. Like, my GPA is a mess, my car is a mess. And I turned around to go upstairs to my room, and I just, like, projectile vomited everywhere, like, on the stairs. It was awful. We used, like, we were using bowls, but they weren't, we put way too many potatoes in one bowl. So when we turned on the mixer, they just shot up. Instead of putting one and a half caps of vanilla, I put in one and a half cups. My bank account is a complete mess. My room is also a mess. We um, made it all in the blender and I was so excited about it that I just picked up the blender um, and all of it just spilt out like everywhere. I was making pancakes in the morning and the power went out so I just left it there. I dropped a whole jar of pickles onto new carpet. Half of the room ended up in the hallway. So it was pretty bad. I remember getting a hold of the hose at my grandmother's house and I basically locked my family hostage inside of the house. I guess one time in school, I uh, 
how to use the bathroom really bad. Did I say my GPA is also a mess? My GPA is a mess too. I didn't say anything about it at first either. You know, you're like, okay, first grade, I just peed my pants. I'm just gonna hang out, see how this feels. Then you get like a rash between your legs and everything. The whole jar shattered. It was like one of the big pickled jars. And Miles thought it was a good idea to just throw it right on, like instead of slowly kind of mixing it, then gradually going up, he kind of just went for it and just blasted it. It was not good. Hmm. My social life is a mess, I guess, too. Then I made it again, and it did it all over again and like spilled everywhere onto the floor and not all over me. Our house was like full of smoke. Basically, I almost burned the house down. So that was a mess, yeah. But it's all good now. Finally, my mother just getting fed up and she just powered through the spray and just, I, and I was shooting her. I was shooting her as, as much as I could. It was my desperation move. $4.83, negative $4.83 in my bank account. You tell me how that's not a mess. Oh, goodness. Uh, you brave souls who are brave enough to share, thank you. Um, Mom, at least I didn't make a mess like that, and this is mine now, so you can't hit me with it anymore, okay? Uh, every single one of us can, can relate to them, can't we? We've all made a mess um, in our rooms, in our cars, uh, in our kitchens, every single one of us. And so this morning, we're actually going to talk about the mess. But I don't want to talk about the messes that they've made or that you all have made in your kitchen, in your room, wherever it may be. No, I want to talk about the messes you've made in your life. You see, we're all born into a mess. Because of the sin of one man, we're instantly thrown into a mess. And as we get older, it only gets worse, doesn't it? You start off and you're a little kid, and yeah, you, okay, you make some small messes. And then in your teenage years, you have the opportunity, the chance to make some big messes. And then as you grow up to be an adult, you can make some even bigger messes. And in fact, I'd go as far as to say that we are expert mess makers. We just, we know how to make messes in our lives. And here's what I mean by making a mess in your life. You can make a mess in your life by the things you say. You know, you're in a heated argument with your spouse, with your kid, and in the heat of the moment, you say that one word or that one sentence that you just wish you could take back. You can make a mess in your life by the things you do. Maybe there's a, a sin you've committed, a vice that always gets your attention, an addiction that no one knows about. You can also make a mess in your life by what you do to other people. You can leave emotional damage, physical harm. And not only do we create messes in our lives, but other people can create messes in our lives too. Maybe you were on the receiving end of that one word or that one sentence. Maybe you're the one that was physically hurt or emotionally scarred. And so either way you put it, every single one of us here has made a mess, is in a mess, or is going to make a mess in our lives. We're good at it. But I have some good news. In fact, I have some great news for you all this morning. 
So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and this is where we're going to camp this morning for a good little while. Romans chapter 8, and it'll be up on the screen too. We're going to pick it up in verse 35. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's some great news, isn't it? Great news. But if you're anything like me, you hear that, and you go, okay, yeah, I, I, I get that, but you don't know what I've done. You don't understand my mess. You can't see what's been done to me. And so we read this, we read this verse, and we read it like this. Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, except for my mess. Except for what I've done. Or maybe you can reconcile that. Maybe you're okay with that and, and you know that God loves you, but you go, all right, I, I know I'm forgiven, but there's no way God can look at me and be okay. There's no way God looks at me with proud eyes. Yes, I know that his love covers all, but I'm sure he's still kind of mad at me. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that nothing, nothing could be farther from the truth. And Paul tells us right here, you see, he starts off this passage by saying, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Now, he's not actually asking. He's not wondering, saying, hey, do you know who might? No, no, no. It's a rhetorical question. You see, Paul, Paul already knows the answer. And the answer to that is nobody, no one can separate you from the love of God. No one. And then he continues. He gets, it into, the, he gets into the meat of it and he says, neither death nor life. So there's nothing in death that'll separate you from God's love. And you know what? There's nothing in this life that can separate you from God's love. So he he makes this overarching theme of, okay, nothing in death and nothing in life. And then he says, you know what, in case you're not getting it, he goes, well, neither demons nor angels. So no spiritual power, no spiritual being, good or evil, can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So we've got death in general and life, and now we've got spiritual powers. And then he continues. Okay, he says, neither the present nor the future. Nothing that's happening today, no situation you're in, no mess you're in, or anything that's going to happen tomorrow, no situation, circumstance, or mess tomorrow can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So he says, nothing in time. So he says, nothing in general. There is no spiritual power, and there is nothing in time that can separate you from this love. He goes again, he says, nor any power, so again, any spiritual power. 
And then he says, neither height nor depth. So just in case we don't understand that nothing in life in general, that no spiritual power, that nothing in time, he says, okay, well, you know what? Guess what? Nothing physically can even separate you from God's love. Nothing in this universe. You can't go far enough into space or deep enough down into the center of this earth to be separated from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like gravity. Think about it. Anywhere you go on this planet, what are you surrounded by? The force of gravity. It still governs. You can take an apple to the bottom of Antarctica and drop it, and what's going to happen? It's going to fall. You can take that same apple all the way up to the North Pole, and what's going to happen? It's going to fall. And you see, unlike gravity, God's love is much stronger. The further out you go into space, well, the less you feel the effects of gravity. But Paul just tells us right here, you can go as far as you want, and the effects of God's love, his love for you, is not going to change. It doesn't matter. So just in case you're not convinced by this point, just in case your mess hasn't fallen in any of these categories, what does Paul end with? Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nor anything else. What Paul does here is he says there's two things that exist. In all of, in all of what we know, there's two things that exist. There's God and there's everything else that God created. Those are the only two things. Nothing can exist outside of that. Either God or creation. So Paul says, look, God loves you. And there's nothing over here in all of creation that can separate you from that love. Yeah, but again, you don't see what I've done. No, nothing. Yeah, but you don't know what someone did to me. Nothing. Because your mess, what you've done, what's been done to you, that's included in all of creation. See, the point that Paul's getting at is this, is that God's love is greater than your mess. God's love is greater than your mess. It's greater than what you've done, than what you've done to other people, or to what's been done to you. Now that's wonderful. That's beautiful. And the cool thing about our God is that, you know what? He doesn't want to just leave it there. He doesn't want to just show you and tell you that his love is greater than your mess. No. He says, I know you can't clean it, so I'm going to clean it for you. And not only that, but I want to redeem your mess as well. I want to redeem your mess. And so this morning, we actually have a, a video of one, of one of my, in fact, my best friend who had a mess in his life. And you know what? God took that mess. His love was greater than the mess. He cleaned it and he redeemed it. So let's take a look. So... Um when I graduated high school, coming from about uh, the years 19 to 20 for me, um, I ended up getting myself involved with um, prescription painkillers. Um, 
and uh, I was taking I was I was taking a lot of them in the day throughout the day. I had convinced myself that I was better and that I was more fun and that I was funnier and just I had convinced myself that taking prescription painkillers had was just making my life better. I couldn't sleep. I I wasn't eating much. I just they were just tearing me apart. Um, and I remember when I couldn't sleep, I would uh, I would just stare at the ceiling and talk to God. I didn't tell anyone around me. Uh, no one knew what was going on. No one knew that I was struggling. Um, so I had those moments where I could just sit and talk to God and just say everything that I felt. When I honestly look at God and the, the times that he's helped me in my life, it's, it hasn't been God having this big rescue moment where he inserts himself into my life. Um, it's more of him just being there and saying, I am here. You can do this. God doesn't just muscle his way in. You got to let him in. Um, and I finally let him in and uh, he, he took it away. I, I ended up just stopping and that was, that was huge. And knowing that, that God gave me the power to be able to do that myself was something that um, I will always remember and I take with me through every struggle that I have now. I've been able to talk to high schoolers who are struggling with drugs. I've been able to, um, you know, adapt the struggles and the things that I've been through to, to relate with people that I wouldn't normally get to relate with. When you think about the way God interacts with us, um, there are no secrets. And so when you're trying to help someone and be like God to them and try to show them that love, uh, you can't have secrets. So you got to let them in. And that's hard. That's really hard for me. Wow. Thank you, Matthew. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we can clap. What a powerful story. You see, we saw that God's love really is greater than, than a mess, than any mess. And see, we saw that in Matthew's life. God's love was greater than a mess, and he cleaned the mess. And then look, he redeemed the mess, and he's using it for his glory. And he wants to do the same with each and every single one of you, with each and every single one of us. He wants to clean your mess. He wants to redeem it, and he wants to use it. And in fact, I want to take us one step further this morning. Because not only is God's love greater than your mess, but you were worth the cleanup. You were worth it. Open your Bibles and turn with me to John 3, 16 through 17. How many of you have heard these verses before? Almost all of you, yeah. I think what happens with these is we, we hear this verse so often. We hear it so many times that it loses its meaning to us. We forget just how much these two little verses are saying. Let's take a look at them. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God didn't come. Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn your mess. He came to save you from your mess. He came to save you from it. When the Father sent the Son, he wasn't clueless. He knew the state that the world was in. He knew the mess that had been made before. He knew the mess that Christ was going to be entering in. And he knew the mess that was going to come after. It's not like he was oblivious. God wasn't on the, the receiving end of a, a bad Craigslist deal. No. He looked down, he knew exactly where it was. And when Christ, when Christ comes on the scene, he knew the mess that the world was in. He knew the mess he was entering in. You know what? He knew the mess that was going to be. Yet he still willingly went up on the cross. He did so even knowing that even after his sacrifice, that you and I, even though we're believers and we're saved, that we would continue to make messes in our lives. And he still went up on the cross. You know what that says? That says that our Lord and Savior, our God, looks at each and every single one of us, each and every single one of you in the eyes, and says you were worth it all. You were worth the nails in my hands and my feet. You were worth the agony of the cross. You were worth all the suffering. You were worth it because I love you so much. That's powerful. That is powerful. And so I want to close with this. My brothers and sisters, I don't ever want you to forget this. In fact, I don't want you to just hear me this morning. Don't just hear what I've told you. I want you to believe it with everything you've got. I want you to feel the fact that our God loves you, that he's wildly in love with you. I want you to feel it in your bones. I want you to feel it in the depths of your soul that our God loves you and that you are worth it all. And I never, ever, ever want you to forget that fact. No matter where you go in life, no matter what you do, no matter what happens, no matter what mess gets created in your life or that you create, don't ever, ever forget this fact. Now, maybe this is your first time hearing this this morning. Maybe you've never heard the fact that, you know what, there's a, there's a loving God out here that loves you more than anything, that loves you so much so that he endured death on a cross for you, that loves you so much he wants to spend eternity with you. Or maybe you've heard this before, but for the first time, maybe something's striking a chord. Well, I want to invite you this morning to, as I close in prayer, to pray with me. Because there is a God, this same God, loves you dearly, loves you with everything he's got, and wants to spend the rest of eternity with you. And so I'm going to ask you to pray with me at the end. And if you do, don't just stop there. We have a, a what's next or next steps table. And I want you to share that with someone out there. Because we believe that this faith, 
that part of a big part of this faith is community, that we need to walk this thing out together. And so I'd invite you to go out there so we can walk alongside you in this, in this new life. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll get you out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, um, my life's a mess. Lord, it's a mess. And I'm in need of someone to come clean the mess for me. I'm in need of a Savior. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that you come and that you clean this mess. Clean the mess I've made in this life. Lord, I believe that you are the one true God, that you died on the cross for my sins, Lord, and that you rose again. And so today, I want to start a newness of life. I want to change the way I live, and I want to live this life for you. I want eternity with you, Lord. Thank you. Father, I pray for everyone here this morning. So grateful for for all the people that are part of this church who are here. And Lord, I just pray that you never, ever, ever allow us to forget the fact that your love is greater than our mess and that we are worth the cleanup. Lord, I pray that we believe that with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, because it is only out of your love for us that we can love other people, that we can do your will. And so I pray that wherever we go, whatever we do, wherever this life takes us, I pray that we remember that fact, that we believe it with everything within us, Lord. I pray that you just allow us to draw closer to you, give us a heart and a passion um, for your word, Lord, and for who you are. We worship you and thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a good day.